You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. This is episode 140 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. And Jake. Hello. We have got so much to talk about this week because... Matt, I believe you've got a brand new Broken Realms book in your possession. Mm. So we're going to be chatting about that on the show this week. We are also going to be talking about a certain box which was uh, announced in, in full detail on the Saturday just gone on a Warhammer preview. It is Dominion. It's a launch box for Age of Sigmar 3rd edition. Cannot wait for us to discuss this later on in the show. To tie into that, this week's top three is our top three models from the Dominion box. And of course, we've got the community picks towards the end of the show. Uh, Matt is also going to be telling us about a little community sort of incentive we've got as well. Something we're going to be doing on the website um, to coincide again with uh, the new edition of Age of Sigmar. But more on that towards the end of the news, which, of course, we'll be covering as well. So uh, we we best press on, haven't we? So let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this week. Matt, do you want to lead us, uh, lead us on that? So I, I, I have built a load of undead. I'm all built out. It's been a bit too hot the last few days to do any painting. So I've been building. I've been frantically building. Majority of the new Soul Blight Grave Lords releases. I've built zombies. I've built skeletons. I've built all the characters. I've built some blood knights. All that I've got left to build is a box of direwolves. And then I've built pretty much every kit from that uh, range. So yeah, that's pretty fun. Uh, so yeah, got them done. Got some base colours down on 36 zombies. Why 36 zombies? I hear you ask. Well, I had some spare parts, so I made some uh, risen zombies. You always have spare parts when you're working with zombies. Yeah, you always have spare parts. So yeah, so I had some spare bits so I could do some uh, some risen zombies because uh, when they kill stuff, they can bring stuff back. And I also managed to have an actual game of Warhammer with Jay at the weekend. Uh, yesterday even. Yesterday, Time flies yeah. when you're having fun. Uh, which we streamed on Twitch and YouTube, so you should be able to find that probably in the podcast notes if you if you're listening to this right now. Uh, mm. It was it was it was fun, wasn't it, Jay? Yeah, it was awesome to play a game again after so long. <laughs> so yeah, the uh, the Sylvanus and the Soulblight Grave Lords facing off, and to be fair, it was pretty close at the end. You had an unlucky first few turns. I think if it had been better, uh, you might have got a bit more momentum, but you nearly got it back at the end. Oh, sneaky wild placements at the end but yeah i am um, my branch wraith who i i gave the artifact that makes it she's casted on three dice um didn't manage to cast a spell until turn three <laughs> yeah and by then there was a lot of zombies in the middle of the board excellent stuff and um, i think that ties quite nicely into your hobby updates for the week jay my, my lack of hobby updates for the week so not much done this week, unfortunately. I was, I mean, I did say last week I was going to get cracking on with the Hurricane Wind Chargers, but I haven't picked them back up again. Um, I did do some more painting on the Sylvan. I finished off the Arch Revenant. Um, and, and that's it. That's the only bit of painting I've done this week. Um, enjoyed the Age of Sigmar game. So I was able to get a game in, roll some dice. Um, so hopefully I'll have a more productive week this week. Like Matt said, the weather really doesn't help, does it? It, it does kind of take it out of you. Um, yeah. Sitting in a, an office kind of painting um, doesn't really appeal when... I mean, last year I did a little bit of um, garden painting, but um, might get to try and do that over the weekend or something. I guess the problem is at the minute, 
if you're like thin in paint, it dries on the palette before you get a chance to do anything with it. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm in the bad place well because I've got a unit that's half finished, and like I want to start a new unit, but really I need to. I, I've left them too long. It's, I hate it when I do that. <laughs> I'm sure really you'll get the motivation back to carry on. Maybe you need to have a game with the um, the Lumen FJ. Maybe that'll fire you up to, to yeah, get them. Yeah, you might painted. be right there, Dave. Actually, um, because I did. I sort of. I think what happened was we were planning on to do a, a game with the Lumen F versus the Soul Blight. So I was racing that week to get these wind charges painted, and I, I think I, I burnt myself out. I was rushing them a little bit, so I'm not 100% happy with the the final finish. And I, I think I, I sort of demotivated myself. So I think now the pressure's off a little bit. I might. Um, I might try again. Yeah. yeah, it's been it's been it's been a funny few weeks schedule wise as well because obviously we try and we try and paint stuff in anticipation of what's coming out, but um, you know there's been there's been delivery delays and just trying to get the diaries together. Like it's literally the first time we've had managed to have a game of Warhammer on Monday, wasn't it? So yeah. we should be back. You know, should be back in the swing of things now, hopefully. Mhm. Absolutely. Um, I can't really say I've done all that much hobby kind of miniature wise i mean it's been a busy week for me on the the website so i typed up the uh review for the adeptus mechanicus which i kind of rambled on about last week it's such a good book um i also managed to take it for a spin as well on saturday i had to go against uh, chief unicorn of purple sparkle unicorns craig uh, and his Drakari. that was um a bit of a lesson in playing um Drakari with the the, the new book and um, to be fair, I mean, I've, I've not played 40k for such a long time, had a brand new book, had some placement errors, uh, and he also had a very good turn one. To be fair, you, you did all right, considering it was a brutal turn one. Like you said, you know, there's, you've not played for a while, and there's things you, you could have done differently, but I think you managed to recover really well. And there was a point where you had the upper hand. There, there was. I think the, the thing you've always got to kind of, when you're fighting the Drakari is... You know, Craig turn one was on all the objectives um, and he he, kind of t- he he did really well how he had his units kind of controlling the objectives whilst also really putting pressure on me. So I'm kind of dealing with that pressure and, and he's just racking up the points because I can't really um, threaten those, at least not with the list I was using. I couldn't threaten those points. Uh, so um, but it was really good. I mean, it, it definitely sort of taught me what's hot and what's kind of not with the new book Um, definitely a few things i want to try out vanguard are amazing castellan robots not so hot Um, so no it was really really fun really 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 good i'm looking forward to a game of age of sigma next especially obviously with the the new uh, edition on the the horizon um also did a review of um kaina kayans kaynans reapers the 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 reapers yeah yeah. um for, for underworld which was pretty good really fancy game of that as well uh and um yeah that's that's really been it i've not really built that's, or painted anything that's like not it. really it is it dave that is not it at all is it not no because i i've been told this week that you've put some serious money down on oh uh, well of... yeah i suppose you could class it as a hobby update i, I do have cragnus the, coming on the saturday. hobby update <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. hobby update is um cragnus is on his way on saturday you've been excited about having a god in your collection exactly um and I, I seem to be all in on destruction just recently with the amount of you know i've always been a big fan of the orux the stuff that we're going to talk about later on just like dave 
You just got to do it. Yeah, it's just got to happen. It was like all your Christmases came at once the other day when we were watching yeah. that. Yeah. I, I mean, we'll talk about that later on. But um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to And I really want to take my time as well. Uh, try out everything that I've learned so far when it comes to painting uh, and try and do the best job uh, I can on this guy. Um, can't wait to, to use him. So yeah, look forward to talk about him next week, uh, hopefully. Uh, I think that brings us to the end of this week's Hobby Updates. Uh, it's a jam-packed show, so let's take a pause and come back with this week's news. So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? Well, we've got quite a few pre-orders coming this weekend. It's been it's been a pretty relentless few weeks from Games Workshop, and I don't think that's going to slow down anytime soon based on what we saw in the uh, the preview seminar. But uh, yeah, the Adeptus Roritas have got their new codex out. Now, it, it's not that long ago that the old one came out. It was, what, January last year? It came out in November the previous year in the in the launch box. But um, I, think, I think regular codexes is something that we might see going forward. And uh, obviously it's going to have all the cool uh, Crusade content and stuff. So I'm really looking forward to getting a hold of this because I've got about two and a half thousand points of uh, Sisters of Battle. So I haven't really used them much in that edition because, again, we mentioned it in the past, kind of th- those books with the Crusade content. We predominantly play Crusade in, in 40k as well. Kind of have the upper hand, don't they? Mm-hmm. Like the kind of games that we like to play. So really looking forward to seeing this. So the codex is up for pre-order. Price at £30. We've also got uh, Morven Val, the the High Lord of Terror, at £34.50 in her war suit. Looks really, really cool. I I may have spent some money on a pair of Slaneshi twins this weekend, so (laughs) I won't be able to buy the sister stuff this month, but uh, it's certainly going to be on the shopping list at some point. Uh, There's also the Paragon war suits that are £42. We've got the Celestian Sacrosancts at thirty-four fifty, the Doug Martyr and the Palantine at twenty-one pounds each, and there's also cards and dice and all the usual stuff. The dice are quite nice with little fleur-de-lis kind of symbols yeah, on. Yeah, I like the dice. Yeah, I thought they were nice. Yeah, and uh, an inquisitorial kind of stamp as the as the six. So yeah, I quite like them. Uh, so yeah, a whole host of stuff, and we've got at least another week's worth of stuff because I know there's some more kits on top of these as well, like the uh, the, the new tank. Um, for Necromunda, it's been a long time coming, but House of Faith is up for pre-order as well. So this is the Cordor slash Redemptionist source book. So Redemptionists are technically part of House Cordor, but House Cordor kind of make sure to look over their shoulder to make sure that the Redemptionists aren't like burning down their house or something. So it's technically two factions in there. You've got the fanatical nutcases and then the really fanatical nutcases with flamers that, you know, mm-hmm. probably shouldn't be allowed to play with matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's the latter faction that I really want to do. I love I love the models. I, I love the uh, when I got into the hobby, the, the kind of uh, Redeemer comic which is basically this this fellow going around burning everything that's vaguely heretical. So uh, the box of Redemptionists is £26 for six of them, which I think is vaguely in line with the, the new kind of uh, plastic kits for the Necromunder stuff. I don't know how many you'd need. Uh, six isn't many. I, I imagine you'd need a couple of boxes if you're doing pure... <coughs> Sorry. I imagine you need a couple of boxes if you're doing a pure Redemptionist warband. Obviously, if you're doing a Corridor, you could throw those in there. So, yeah, we'll have details of that once we've got our hands on it. But, yeah, really excited to try them out. 
as ever, there'll be cards and dice with them. For these ones, if you want the Gang Tactics cards, I'd order them on Saturday because they go lightning quick. I know you were trying to get hold of the Admech cards, weren't you, Dave? And they uh, disappeared yeah. in a flash, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, I, I think it's the first time I've come to pick up some data cards and they're not be available so yeah wait i'm waiting for those to to come back in stock and then i'll get those orders see for the necromander stuff you kind of expect it to be sold out five minutes after it goes up but the 40k stuff normally hangs around a little longer doesn't it absolutely uh then we've got the biggest release of the weekend and you know i'm going to sit down for this one we have got elathian's soul rend for uh, underworlds this is the uh the ideneth box or i say ideneth box it's really the crab box oh, there's a great thing on um, Hammer, uh, tv earlier crab nos so uh, yeah start collecting crab nos you get an awesome crab and then some other models that you might want to play on warhammer underworld with. For him. exactly let's face it you're buying it for the crab <laughs> so yeah he's, he's gonna be added to the collection as well uh, and then we've also got some forge world stuff as well so we've got a couple of kits for aeronautica the marauder colossus the marauder pathfinder and the Remora Stealth Drone. I believe that's the last few unreleased kits for Aeronautica. Obviously getting all the stuff out before the next wave of Aeronautica stuff, which, again, probably isn't that too far away on the horizon with the, uh, the Thunderhawk so. gunship and, and all those goodies. Uh, and then if you prefer your battles, not in the skies, but in giant Titanic war machines, then, uh, yeah, Volkite weaponry for all variants of Titan as well. Uh, presumably they come with the rules in the box because I don't believe we've currently got any rules for Volkite weapons in uh, in uh, Adeptus Titanicus. So yeah, interesting to see these. I like the aesthetic of Volkite weapons. So I've got a box of um, of Titans. That I'm going to do is, is um, Legio Mortis. So they might have some horrific heat rays because that seems like their kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, bumper assortment of pre-orders. But that's not everything, Dave. <laughs> no. So on Thursday, at Thursday at 6pm, there is a, another preview on Warhammer TV. This time it is Schools. So Schools, the last few years, has been a uh, little campaign they've done in conjunction with Steam, where it, they've had, traditionally in the past, they've had all the kind of Games Workshop-based video games on sale. This time they're doing a preview show alongside it, where they're revealing loads of cool stuff. I do wonder if we'll get a release date for uh, Total War Warhammer 3 here, maybe. Yeah, possibly. I think so. So, yeah, so uh, they haven't said what's in it. Presumably other cool stuff. There's there's quite a few games that have come out recently. There's a new Necromunda hired gun. Um, so, yeah, we might see a few. Uh, we've heard rumblings of other games in development, haven't we? So we might see a few little early teasers here maybe so that's exciting because we literally don't know what's going to be in it so that's definitely worth a watch uh we've also had some cool news on warhammer community this week so orcs as we know are probably not too far off with the sisters out next week and uh, warhammer community shared a little bit about the new orc codex so first of all everything in the book has had plus one toughness so your standard orc boy is now toughness five i think they should be shouldn't they yeah, definitely, definitely, because me, me, me and Jay were chatting about this kind of pre-podcast, and in in the lore, the, the orcs are always kind of referred to as quite tough and, you know, resilient, where that doesn't really come across in the table where a bolster can wound him on a four. 
Uh, and I'd rather the extra point of toughness rather than giving them two wounds as well, because it gets a bit silly when everything in the game's got two wounds as well. So, yeah, nice distinction. And it gives us hope for more variances in profiles across the other uh, factions as well, which is mm. fun. So, yeah, they look really cool. I mean, the real news there is Toughness 3 Gretchen. <laughs> That's where it's at. Who are, the, who, are the real, who are the real winners out of this? So, yeah, they look really, really fun. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to trying them out, hopefully not too long. Before we wrap up the news section, there's also something we want to have a little bit of a chat about. And we've mentioned it the last few weeks on the show, but it has been formally announced now over on Sprues and Brews, and that is Tale of Sprues and Brews. This is our tale of gamers that we're doing, and we want to share it with the community as well. So in the past, we've always kind of, we've had, I don't know, paint 500 points or paint 50 pounds worth of models in a month. And just because, you know, we're, lots of different armies work at lots of different points levels and boxes cost different things. And we really wanted to get people involved as well. We didn't want to kind of alienate anyone. So what we've said is basically... To take part, you just have to build, paint, play, whatever you want to do over the course of a month, and then either email in your submissions through uh, sprucebrews at gmail.com or tag them with hashtag tale of sprues. And then, yeah, what we'll do is compile the best ones and put them alongside our kind of stuff that we've done over the month and have a bit of a post at the start of every month. We've both tried to do something similar, haven't we, Dave, where we've tried to we do have. it on like a weekly basis or a daily basis, and, you know, real life gets in the way. So by having a monthly post where we all gather together all the best ones and have a big post up, sharing what we've done and sharing what you've done, uh, we thought that'd be really fun. Yeah, I think it's a, it'd be a really good way of... Um, it'll motivate us as well um, to, yeah. to get some painting and some games in as well. Um, and, you know, yeah, like Matt said... Go nuts, really. If you want to give um, some of the stuff that you're building kind of a crusade background, go for it. Just just submit it to us, either an email or on social media, and we'll we'll get it. We'll yeah. we'll, we'll pick the best ones and get them up. And, and some, of the, some of the thinking behind this comes back to what Jay was saying earlier about trying to get the, the, the Luminous finish in time. Doing a tale of gamers, it's very easy to burn yourself out. Mm-hmm. So by not having to lock into a specific faction, if, say, I don't know, next month you want to paint Stormcast but the month after it you fancy painting a unit in Necrons for a change you can yeah. do that and not feel like you're getting behind no. so yeah hopefully hopefully that should be successful and uh, we'll be able to show you all the stuff that we've painted have you got any initial thoughts for I mean obviously you've got Kragnos on the way Dave any other thoughts of what you'd like to paint this month I uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get some to make a start on my Skaven I mean what I'm going to do with my Skaven um it's like you've just said, I don't want to get burnt out on them. It's going to be a big project. It's going to take me a while. Excuse me. So um, I think I'm going to make a start on some clan rats. And also, I've had a bit of an itching to paint some uh, Chaos Space Marines for some reason. I've got quite a few. Um, yeah, I've got quite a few um, uh, kits ready to paint. I was going to do them the Iron Warriors. So um mm. I might, I might, you know, dabble a little bit in there. Um, I do also, you're right, I do also want to paint some Necrons, but um, I think I'm kind of waiting for um, us to start getting the magazine through, um, and then I might really get really back onto them, because I've not really got much left to paint, really, for Necrons. I painted the, the Indomitus stuff. There's some Immortals I can paint, actually, thinking about it, so maybe I'll do some of those. But I yeah, I think the staggered Necron army as well, doesn't it? It absolutely does, yeah, yeah. Cool. I mean, I'll be. I, I've picked up at the weekend. I was in Games Workshop. It was the last day to pick up the 
uh, store anniversary model. Uh, and I've, I, I think I just watched the um, the big preview show uh, that we're going to talk about a little bit later, and I had a bit of a craving to paint some Stormcast, so I may have bought like a thousand points mm-hmm. of Vanguard. Um, <laughs> And obviously, like I say, I've been building the, the vampire. So again, I don't want to get burnt out on the vampires. I'm going to, what I want to try and do is paint, like, I've got these 30-odd zombies on the table. Do them first, because if I can nibble into the big infantry blocks and then reward myself with a treat of painting a character, I'm less likely to get burnt out painting the, the masses of, I've got, what, 30, yeah. 60, about 100 infantry to paint over the army. Uh, but then lots of little cool models as well, so I want to try and stagger it a little bit. But there might be some, there might be some Stormcast in that this month because I really want to paint the. Uh, I bought a box of uh, Griffhounds and I really want to paint them up because Griffhounds are ace. And also, what what's really good about Griffhounds is you can really go to town on colours, don't you? Yeah. Uh, you can really make them look like a, a real standout unit. Do do you do you prefer the look of like the Vanguard uh, Stormcast over say the Sacrosanct Chamber? I'm. I don't like the robes of the sacrosanct stuff. Okay. I think okay. it's fiddlier to paint. Hmm. Um, which what put me off the um, Soul War Stormcast because I didn't like all the robes. I was trying to do Celestial Vindicators as well, um, which I mean you paint them as well. It's a it's a tough colour, isn't it? It uh, is, yeah. So I think in these, but again, based on how gorgeous the Dominion models are, I'm going to do them as well. They called Hammers of Sigma. Oh yes, of course. Gold. Yeah, you've you've changed the, the, the ultramarines of the stormcast. Yeah, just because I thought gold blue job done. They look great. How about you, Jay? What are your thoughts on this? I know you you said you're painting your uh, your luminous, but have you got any palette cleansers in there? I know you paint quite a lot of infinity stuff as well. And yeah, uh, well, so you've got um you've got a few other miniatures that you've had recently as well. Yeah. So yeah. So so Lumineff is. I'm just going to keep chipping away at that. I want to just. I, I mean, the thing with Lumineff is they still feel like a new army to me because I've not used them that much and we was being in lockdown and I still got a lot of the models, like all the blade masters, for example, I've not, I've not painted yet. Um, the wind spirits and things like that, the mage characters. So there's still a lot of exciting stuff all enough that I need to get a paintbrush to. So yeah, so I think they're going to be my main focus for the next month or so. Um, I have got some infinity, you're right. The military orders, which was the, one of the latest releases from infinity. Um, I've got them built. I do need to get some paint on them actually, because um, I'll be having some games from my brother uh, this month as well um, we've got some scenery coming and uh, we're going to um, start playing a, a bit more M4 together oh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing I can play that I've got the uh, Japanese sectorial of course you have yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the Japanese sectorial yeah uh, yeah so so that's cool and and I think as well that, that sort of the more you, you play of that you get used to the rule system and that sort of motivates you to put paint onto the models as well um, but then I have got some, um, some models so there's a, a new company called uh, Free Company that are releasing a um, like a skirmish miniatures game on Kickstarter at the moment. If you go onto the Spruce and Bruce website, we recently did a review of the of the Kickstarter campaign, um, and they very kindly sent some um, of their sort of prototype um, sculpts. So we, I've got two factions in front of me here: the Task, uh, the Sand Kingdoms, which are like a, a human sort of mage um, focused faction, um, and some uh, Coalition of Fenian, which they sort of have a sort of dark elf sort of um feel to them there's like a a, a sort of assassiny rogue stealthy type model there's a there's a, an archer character and then a, a, a like a dual wielding sword swashbuckling type type figure 
these are really, really nice uh, models. Um, similar scale to Age of Sigma, I'd say. Um, so I think on the next painting stream, you'll see you'll see me paint up one of these, maybe the Task Mage Explorer. Um, oh, nice. So yeah, so there's a, there's enough on my painting table to uh, to keep me busy, I think, for this um, tale of Spruce and Brews. I'm looking forward to it. I'm also really looking forward to seeing what other people outside of us three are going to do. Mm, um, yeah. I know we've been speaking to a couple of people and they've, they've like submitted their ideas. So I can't wait to be flooded basically with pictures of models and armies taking shape over the next few months. Yeah, it's a sad to say I'm quite looking forward to these monthly posts. We're going to be having a rummage through between us, rummage through Twitter and uh, posting up our favourite ones. I yeah, I mean, if, if you do join us for the painting stream, that'll be a perfect opportunity to sort of join in, really. Yeah. Mm. I was thinking as well, you know, obviously with lockdowns ending and stuff, it'd be really good if, if some of our community members actually catch up with us at Warhammer, we'll maybe have some games with these armies that they've been building over the time. Yeah, that'd and be cool. that'd be really cool. But obviously that's all for the for the future. We need to, to get those armies built and painted first. So, yeah, really looking forward to it, Matt. Awesome. So, yeah, uh, uh, we've got we've got quite a few things to chat about. So what do you say we take a look at the final part of the Broken Realm series? Age of Sigma 3rd edition might be on the horizon. However, there was one final sort of book release for 2nd edition to wrap this storyline up. It's Broken Realms Kragnos. Matt, do you want to take us through it? Yeah, so the deep dive of this is on the website. We've got a video as well, but I just wanted to have a chat about just between us, because I don't think we've really chatted about it ourselves have we really on the events that have happened so we will put in a, a spoiler klaxon here because we will be talking about some spoilery stuff so i'm sure dave will give you a vague indication of when to skip forward to if you don't want to be spoiled so yeah so obviously over the events of the last couple of books we've seen some pretty momentous things happen um marathi has ascended to godhood and inadvertently inadvertently released the spawn of slanesh into the into the mortal realms. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Teclas and Nagash have had a bit of a Barney, and uh, Nagash has been uh, defeated by by Teclas, and um, the the Necroquake has ended. Yay, happy days! Uh, joy and celebration didn't last for long though, as Bellacor, the first demon prince, basically messed things up completely for the mortal realms. Um, he had a plan to essentially cut off. Uh, Azir from, from the rest of the mortal realms with his kind of storm of chaos. He, while not completely successful, he did complete what he set out to do. And uh, yeah, pretty much the entire mortal realms are covered in darkness now. Oh no, that's a shame. Uh, the only thing that really stopped him was the appearance of a, a white bearded dwarf. Grungni returned to try and sort out things in the mortal realm. So yeah, all very exciting. Fast forward to Broken Realms Kragnos and Alariel is has got a little bit big-headed, I think. She she has a plan. Now, N- N- Nagash, though his soul still endures, death is diminished, which means life is an ascendance. So, Alariel's got an idea of she can take advantage of this sudden surge in life to try and complete a ritual that she wouldn't have been able to complete otherwise. The Oak of Ages Past is not in a great state. I think it was just kind of like a stump that had remained throughout the, you know, Aeon since the the old world. Her plan is to to regrow it by using a song from herself and her choir of treemen, which sounds amazing, uh, and use the lifeblood of Sylvaneth to 
fuel the spell which again sounds a little bit sinister but you know i'm sure it's all completely fine um so yeah essentially she lures out the beastmen to attack the sylvaneth at the site of the oak of ages many sylvaneth die and their lifeblood pours out onto the 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 stump of the oak of ages Alariel completes her ritual and it goes pretty well some would say it goes too well the oak regrows acorns grow on the tree they fall to the ground and they grow into the uh the warsong revenants these themselves play the same song that Slanesh has been uh, Slanesh, Alariel has been singing and uh, that then causes this spell to spread out uh, from the realm of life in the blink of an eye the realm of life has now become a, a kind of a deep dense wood and Alariel has, has a single kind of like name that pings into her head Athel Loren so Jay as a resident elf expert that that would be the the, the home kind of wood i guess of the of the wood elves and, and lariel ultimately and from the from, world that was yeah from the old world yeah that's right um that's where the azrai is where they um they settled in that wood when all the elf sort of factions split and the, those elves stayed there and sort of formed an alliance it was like a sort of mutually beneficial alliance with the forest spirits mm. um lots of history there and there was a, i know Athel it was um um besieged a lot by the chaos beastmen so i don't know whether yeah, they it's, it's, it's interesting that she she lures out the beastmen to complete this ritual whether they you know their life essence has some farm in that because again like you say that is the lifeblood i guess of athel loren because those two forces lived in that wood didn't they yeah um so yeah interesting i don't know i don't know if she intends to do this i think she was just trying to grow the oak back but Obviously, the oak was part of the of the, of the forest, and yet it's basically regrown. It's now spreading out throughout the realms. She's lost control of it, <laughs> as all you know, slightly arrogant wizards tend to do, and it is spread into other realms, uh, including uh, the realm of beasts. In the realm of beasts, there's a mountain where many years ago Kragnos was was in prison. Now, Kragnos was uh, a member of a race that are long extinct now but he was kind of the biggest and the strongest and the most kind of well-renowned to the point where the greenskins worshipped him as a god he wasn't actually a god but due to the way orcs work if they believe in something enough it will come to be so essentially the 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 greenskins willed kragnos into being the god of earthquakes even if he actually wasn't this made him get more arrogant and, and big-headed, and he kind of picked a fight with a race of dragons that used to live in the mortal realms. It doesn't go great for the dragons. He, he, he has the name the end of empires because essentially he makes them extinct. The last handful of them and the last few remaining eggs, they, they decide to seek the aid of an ancient alien from, from places far away by the name of Croak. You might have heard of him. He uh, he agrees to help them out in exchange for um, him being able to take the last remaining dragon eggs. Now, that seems like an incredibly specific thing, doesn't it? I mean, in the the timeline, when does this happen? This This was thousands and thousands of years ago. Yes. Before the coming of Sigma. Before the coming of Sigma. So I wonder whether there's a bit of a sort of. Because obviously dragons existed in the old world, did mm. and croak existed in the old world. Croak was came down with the old ones to bring life to the old world. Does he take these dragon eggs and these become the dragons that the high elves and you know in the old world? Or maybe, has he? Still- I mean, 
there could well be time travel shenanigans. I think timeline wise, the old world has been destroyed at this point. Okay, okay, right. You know, it's it's it, the, the mortal realms have formed, but Sigma hasn't come down to reclaim them yet. Not yet. But Not I yet. do wonder. That is interesting. If you know, Croak's got this Noah's Ark filled with exotic creatures, and it, that could potentially leave the door open for a race of dragons or a draconic race coming back to Age of Sigma if Croak's had them, you know, shepherded on some other pocket of existence or planet or something. I'm just looking on his model now to see whether there's any dragon eggs on there anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Can't see any. <laughs> so yeah, so so yeah, he, he agrees to help them, and they they essentially imprison um, Kragnos in like a temporal prison. So he's stuck in time in the in the heart of a mountain. He can't escape. However, m- magic's taken a bit of a backlash in the last few months. You know, we've had the Necroquake, a massive seismic explosion. Bellacore's blown up two silver towers, causing a magical kind of backlash. And then the final thing that does it is really a L'Oreal spell, causing life to go crazy. And this goes deep into the ground in the mountains. And essentially, that's the kind of straw that broke the camel's back and uh, eventually causes uh, Kragnos to break free. So the rest of the book really then talks about, you know, what Kragnos is doing then. He's trying to find his people. The um, the Greenskins have got a prophecy that an orc with, with, with these various artefacts will be able to reclaim the realms. Uh, and the Skragnok, is he called? The um, Gloomspite Shaman? Oh, he yeah. believes that Gordrax that prophesized uh, Uruk. So he goes to goes to Gordrak and they have a plan and he, you know, he advises them he needs to get these artifacts. Gordrak decides, I don't need no stinking artifacts. Let's just march on Excelsis ourselves. Fair enough. So they do that and along the way they meet up with Kragnos. They have a bit of a scrap. Kragnos beats him in a fight and uh, as is the Orky way, he immediately gets Gordrak's uh, support and they decide to, to help uh, Kragnos. Kragnos isn't happy that his race is long gone, and he sees this this shining city as as an affront to the to the realm of beasts. So he he decides to knock it down because you know he's the end of empires. He he does destructive stuff like that. So this big wow, they, there's, there's ogres that they find on the way and giants and basically a mass of destruction right up your tree, Dave. Marches on the uh, the city of Excelsis. Um, that city is not in a great way. It has been beset by vampires in the past. There's cultists in there. There's been a zinch plot in there. They're constantly getting raided by Urux. Yeah, I don't think it's a great time to be in the city of Sigmar at the minute. Over the end of the book, the the city is attacked by the Skaven. Um, but this is really a distraction. Within the city, due to the number of vampires and you know, near the wells that have been going on in the city, a a kind of cult has formed. The um the Northstone Brotherhood they call themselves, and they are anti magic, anti psychic, anti elf. They're very racist, and they are um, basically over not not even secretly, just in the open, stealing away elves from the street like a lynch mob. Um, they they confiscate mirrors because a mirror is a sign of vanity and a vanity is a doorway to Slanesh. So how dare you look at a mirror in the open? And if you're an elf, you've got magical blood. That's just asking for trouble, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So they confiscate all these mirrors and put them inside a vault in the centre of the city, hidden away. The kind of elders of the city are not too happy with the kind of blatant murdering elves in the streets that isn't a great look especially when the alliance between elves and humans is a bit kind of on the rocks with marathi's uh, betrayal as well so they kind of they, they 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 kind of frown down on that and 
essentially threaten that the the brotherhood will get you know disbanded arrested whatever if they keep it up so the brotherhood instead do it secretly rather than overtly in the in the day they keep stealing them but you know they don't make a song and dance about it downside to their plans is that they they imprison these elves in this vault of mirrors because in their sick twisted uh cult they want the elves to see themselves and see the crimes that they're doing when they get executed now i'm not an expert on such things but murdering elves in a room filled with mirrors potentially seems like a conduit for a certain chaos god i don't know i'm no expert on these things <laughs> so uh yeah so essentially the, the twins um Dixessa and Silnessa, um, use this as a conduit into the city because you know that's a lot of elven energy that they want to feed the imprisoned Slanesh with. Which again, I back in Marathi, I thought that the the newborn and the twins would be like a replacement for Slanesh. It looks like they are now his influence in the mortal realms to try and release him fully. So we could still see the release of Slanesh in there, trying to find situations like this where they can take advantage of a large number of elven souls being trapped in one place and, yeah, feed their parents. So, yeah, this, while this is all going on, obviously, Kragnos and his army march in the city in a big battle in shoes. We won't get into too much. Um, Marathi saves the day, surprisingly, when the city's on its last legs. And uh, her and Croak have a tag team, which, and this is really my only disappointment in the book, it's a bit Doctor Strange. The plan is Croak will make a portal uh, and have an illusion of a dragon in there to anger Kragnos and make him run through the portal while Marathi acts as the bait. Uh, plan works, Kragnos gets disappeared to the middle of nowhere and falls into a swamp. Definitely not about to meet the... Uh, the new faction <laughs> in Dominion. Uh, and yeah, Marathi saves the day. The city's in a bad state. The book really ends with a kind of wrap-up of what's happening. Teclas is um, a little bit concerned. He Teclas has manipulated things a little bit. He's encouraged Alariel to do her, her spell in order to release Kragnos because he thinks that Kragnos will be a threat that will act as a wild card when Chaos is ascendant, you know. Yeah. Without without that wild card of, of destruction, Chaos is imminently going to just wipe out the mortal realms, especially now Bellicor's messed up the realm the realm gate network. Um he isn't expecting, however, the spirit of Nagash to be so strong that he basically kind of plots his revenge and, and Teclas says, like, you know, you've got you've got no power anymore, but Teclas isn't completely convinced, you know. Death's, death's not really a setback. Nagash is probably less powerful than he was, but it probably won't take long for him to reform to his full power. Teclas has probably really only bought a short amount of time. Bellicor comes across the twins and um, has a bit of a discussion Bellicor is very concerned about the, the Dwarden that he met in the assault on Vindicarum. Uh, he, he knows it's Grungni and he feels that the forces of chaos are running out of time now that Grungni has returned. Meanwhile, back in Azir, uh, Marathi is on trial. Oh no, you know, she, she, she annexed a city and betrayed Sigmar. Sigmar can't be bothered to come up to her uh, trial, which annoys Marathi no end. So the Celestine Prime kind of holds her trial and essentially he, he wants to have her executed. He is interrupted, however, by Grungni, who says that, stop messing around, we can't do that, we all need to get together to stop bad things from happening. And essentially that is the kind of 
the completion of the story, I was a little bit disappointed a few things were walked back. I'd have liked to have seen Marathi's betrayal kind of play out a bit longer. And, you know, obviously we've seen the Stormcast issue their judgment and Marathi's still not going to be playing completely nicely with them, is she? No. Grungly coming back is a big deal. I think he's going to play a big part in the next edition of the game, uh, as is Bellacore, I imagine. So it's... It's interesting to see the board set as it is, and that's something we'll talk about a little bit later after the uh, the preview show that we saw. Uh, Rules-wise, I'm not going to go too much into the into the into the rules. Kragnos, I'm sure you've seen the war scroll by now. He is an absolute beast. Uh, yeah, and I know you're really excited to play with this guy, aren't you, Dave? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, he's got no ranged attacks. He's got no magic. He just punches things really hard. Uh, really, really hard. Really, really hard. Uh, I don't think there's much that does flat four damage with uh, a swing of a mace, but uh, he does. Yeah, so he looks he looks really good. We the twins get profiles in the two hundred and something points range, where I think everyone was expecting like big greater demon levels. But to be fair, the fact that they're slightly cheaper means you can fit them in more armies, which is good. And they've got some fun abilities, and there's a few rulings in there that talk about issuing commands rather than command abilities, which again is something we might talk about in a little bit. And then really we get a lot of new kind of redone profiles in there as well. Croak gets a new profile, a new model. He's really good. Alariel has an improved profile, though she's gone up about 140 points, Jay. She's gone up quite a lot, hasn't she? She has, yeah. Uh, we've got the Warsong Revenant. Again, he's in the same kind of price bracket as the, the twins at 270, I want to say, off the top of my head. Um, he's pretty she, good, pretty yeah. good. But um, a little bit on the expensive side, I do think that increased points is something we'll see across the board because everything in this book is pretty expensive, isn't it? Uh, and then finally, we see the um, the new uh, witch hunter father daughter combo that are in the storyline as well. They're really interesting in that they can fight and or shoot endless spells and dispel them with their bullets. That's really cool. I think that's also. Ha- Judging by the the new things coming to Age of Sigmar 3, um, I think that might be an interesting and uh, quite useful ability, actually. Yeah, I, I think you might be right. So, so yeah, like I said, we've got the full the full write up over on the um, on the website. But I really want to talk a bit more about the law and kind of where we are. What what are your thoughts on where we currently stand law wise? Then at the end of this book. Yeah, it's it's it it, it is interesting. Um, I, I like you. I, I was expecting a bit more of a shake-up in order, but it seems like they've got the ha- it's almost like a status quo now, really. Um, yeah. Although I think these Dawnbringer Crusades and things, it, that's going to be quite interesting. So that might take order in a bit of a different um, direction. Um, I, I do, I do like all of the sort of questions they've left, like you know what is the impact of the Oak of Ages coming back? What is Croak doing with those dragon eggs? Why has Bellacore approached the two twins? What's Grungly up to? So yeah. I just hope that these questions get answered. And Age of Sigmar does that a lot better than Warhammer 40k, I think. I think the law does sort of move forward quite a lot more in Age of Sigmar 3. So I, think, I expect we will find answers to a lot of those questions. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's necessarily stuff that's going to be answered in the third edition book. I think these are threads that will get picked up in the campaign books that come out mm. further down the line, maybe. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I think we'll see a lot more campaign books for Age of Sigmar this time uh, than we've done in previous editions. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd say story-wise, I prefer Marathi and Bellicor, 
but I think the entire four book kind of saga has been a really nice way of closing up the the system. Definitely compared to um, what was it called, Psychic Awakening, Awakening. which preferred yeah. this. So yeah, that's my that's my rapid fire thoughts on Broken Realms Kragnos. As Matt said, I will put uh, as a link within the podcast notes uh, a link to the video and written review that Matt has very kindly typed up for us, uh, where it goes into depth of all the rules and the law. Uh, which is really, really cool. So that marks the end of the Broken Realm series. Uh, we've got a third edition on the way. We've got a new launch box, and we are going to talk about it next. So on Saturday, we had a Warhammer online preview, and we got to see the contents of Dominion, the launch box for Age of Sigmar third edition uh, now i'm gonna ask this question now but we're not going to answer it until the end of the show but is this the greatest box that warhammer have released that's how they've been touting it and that's an answer will be um that's a question even that we'll be answering at the end of this segment so um so, yeah where, where do we start well the best way to start this is by discussing the animated trailer that we saw to to kind of launch the new edition what do we think of this it was so good it was so good i'm really looking forward to this story forge or warhammer plus stuff now um i i really liked it, it kind of it, it i get the impression that third edition starts off a little while after the broken realm series because we get in no uncertain terms chaos has won basically mm. and now the forces of order are basically uh, fighting fires and, and trying to establish new new territories and yeah obviously the the, the storm that Bellacor summoned is impeded their ability to return to Azir and we kind of we kind of see the new way they kind of strike in from the heavens and and the the new forces assembled and also we get a look at quite a few new models within that trailer as well some of the new kind of pole arm wielding stormcast and just yeah we was we were watching this together weren't we dave and we kind of yeah. the the inside of the storm keep wasn't what we'd kind of expected but i really like it you no, know really like we, a gothic sort of space marine fortress monastery yeah I, Everything's all very gold and gilded, and I don't know if that maybe toned down the the serious and the grim dark of Age of Sigmar. I think by having them as like a yeah a gothic mansion really inside it makes them feel a bit more interesting to me anyway. Mm. I don't know what your I mean, thoughts are. I mean, all all the shots we saw at the outside was how I imagined a Stonecast city would be, but yeah, those in those in insides of the the, the the very beginning part of the trailer, it was a yeah a fresh look for the Stonecast. I I really really liked it. Um, he's an absolute bad ass, isn't he? That Lord Sellers. Well, he's not a Lord Sellerson. He's a Lord um, Imperator. Imper- we'll, we'll talk about him shortly. Um, but he's really cool. Like when he's he's walking up to kind of um, it almost looks like a penumbral uh, pen- pen- engine, en- yeah. engine uh, as he's walking up to him. His eyes are glowing with lightning, and then he gets handed his weapons. Um, sort of um, ages, doesn't he, over the course of the trailer? He, he does. Well, he gets he gets killed and reforged, doesn't he? Yeah. He comes back with, with like white hair rather than grey, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder whether that trailer is over a longer period of time, like you say, and it's sort of like there is a bit of a tragedy to the Stormcast in the reforging, where they lose memories and character and personality and uh, things like that. It's like a it, selfless sacrifice. Yeah, it looks like the age as well. If if that's what they're kind of insinuating when he kind of comes back well, from being killed. Yeah, I wonder if it's like he's 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 lived a long life, he's 
died, come back, died, come back, died, come back. And at the end of the trailer, he's sort of like, you know, he's been reforged that many times and, you know, that's the toll it's taken on him. But they're still going out there to fight. Yeah, I did notice but... in the trailer as well, we saw hints at alternate um, weapon loadouts for some of the units we've seen so far too. Yeah. Um, I spotted some double-handed weapons on the big sort of heavy armoured Stormcast. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, it's, it's worth saying that the, the Stormcast are part of order. They're not good, they're order. And, you know, it's long been hinted that the the, the whole reforging process perhaps isn't the most pleasant and or moral thing to be doing. And yeah, I think, yeah, I think it kind of subtly captured the the kind of effect it has on the people getting reforged which is nice i mean the big thing that you know your your jaw hit the floor i think at that bit dave was the the enemy faction that was revealed <laughs> in the trailer yeah boys yeah we saw the cruel boys for the first time who are bog dwelling orucs that have more akin to mork rather than gork so um i mean the first thing that jumped in mind was how flipping sinister these guys look yeah. like you know the, the iron jaws uh and the bone splitters they you know they're mean but they still have that kind of 40k orc slightly comical kind of look to them yeah. maybe not comical is maybe not the right word but these guys i mean you said matt i think the, the first thing that jumped to your mind is very much like lord the rings kind of orcs yeah, very, very very vicious rather than yeah. I think I think all all orcs and other Warhammer games have got a bit of a comedy vibe to them. And it's not to say there's no comedy at all in the Cruel Boys, but they've just got a, a sinister look. They 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 want to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, what I got from them. And they're not bothered if it takes ranged weapons or combat or sneak attacks. Um, just just that that they get they get to kill you. So yeah, seeing them um animated was very cool and it got me very excited um for the models that we were about to see yeah i know i guess that segues nicely into the models themselves so we'd seen some of these hadn't we on previous shows but i think we saw well we saw all of the sprues and, and all the new models and uh, you get an awful lot in that box should we start with the stormcast side of things yeah let's let's so, do that so we've seen indraster before the celestial spear Really, really nice model. And again, we'd we'd kind of guess that this was in the launch box. It's good to see that confirmed. Presumably, this is going to be a push fit model, which boggles my mind because it's as good as some like Forge World like yeah. uh, collector series models, isn't it? Yeah, it's ridiculous how good With this model is going to be for a push fit model. Um, such a such a nice sculpt. Yeah, uh, but the guy that out the trailer is in the box, the Lord Imperitant. He's got a griff hound. He's kind of got a griff hound kind of cape and two head options. The kind of the um, helmetless head that we see in the trailer. And then also a, a helmet that looks very Caradron, to be fair. Yeah, they touched on that, didn't they, in the uh, during the preview? That obviously Grungley's kind of made this Thunderstrike armor, and you, you're right, Matt. It does have a very dwarfish kind of. I think I actually prefer the helmeted version because it kind of has that essence of a dwarf about it. Yeah, there's there's lots of dwarven touches in this. So all the um, the representations of Sigmar is Sigmar as as drawn by Grungni. So all the little crests on them and the kind of his his kind of uh, mace head that he's got, uh, and like I say, even the even like the face mask of it is all very dwarven vibed. And you know what, I quite like that. 
um, we, we, a, a few weeks ago, like the gems on some of the weapons and things we saw on on the um, the the main character or uh, dwarfing sort of style gems. I know on the hammers and long beards and things, they have that diamond sort of cut. Uh, jewels and things and they're all over these stormcast models yeah mm. and i mean we, we, we again we were chatting just before the podcast what if grungly actually becomes part of this new stormcast eternals line as a, as a special character that'd be that'd really, be really cool. cool or even even i mean he's a he's a god maybe maybe we could see him being able to be taken by any order faction perhaps well this is something we've seen with kragnos he can be taken in any destruction faction yeah yeah so. go go track yeah, so so yeah, really really cool possibilities there. We get a new knight Arcanum. She's really cool. She's kind of got a a, a normal kind of um, maskless face, and then a really sinister kind of like white death mask that I really like. Uh, Jay, I was feeling uh, Harlequins with this mask. Yeah. I don't know if you had that same feeling. I did. Yeah, I really like this model. I'm a big fan of the Sacrosanct, the Evocators, and Knight Encantors, and that sort of um, Stormcast armor. And this one really reminds me of that. Yeah, and it obviously keeps those vibes. I said earlier in the podcast, I'm not a fan of the kind of robey bits, but uh, she does look really cool. I like the kind of scrolls on her belt, and yeah, really nice wizard model. We also saw one of the most incredible Sigma models ever, the Knight Vexilla with Banner of Apotheosis. How cool is this? I actually quite like the current Knight Vexillias. Well, this guy's just like, you know, hold my beer because that banner is absolutely superb. And I really like the Thunderstrike armor. It, it really stands out on him. Um, yeah, an amazing model. And also, it's another banner. They, they, they're, they're, they're obviously liking their standard bearers um, more and more as the new edition comes, uh, yeah. comes to fruition. I, I mean, we said during the, um, the, the Luminous review, Battle Army banners... I, I want to be a thing again, and this is another sign of another core banner. They just look ace on the tabletop, don't they? Mm-hmm. Regardless of rules, yeah. they look ace, having a guy with a big banner. And this big banner's got the anvil of apotheosis on it, which again is a tool of Grumney. Mm. So he's he's very much involved in the whole reforging thing, and maybe he's refined it. He's certainly got armor that can now pierce Bellicor's spell, so that's a good thing for the Stormcast. I guess all your old Stormcast have to get the bus or something, presumably. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but your new ones I- are fine. I've only just noticed how nice his sword is as well. I, n- I didn't really take a close look at that. It's a really nice sword. Incredible, yeah. With the runes down one sort of part of the blade, yeah. yeah. Very, very. Yeah. And, and again, hilt. not forgetting, this is a push fit model from a launch box as well. Mental. And uh, next up, we've got the uh, the Praetors. Now these are also really cool. These are like elite bodyguard stormcast with two-handed uh, axes. And I think we, I said to you at the time of seeing this, Dave. They very much remind me of the white lines from Warhammer Fantasy. Mm. And this is before something that we saw, which we'll talk about right at the end of this segment. Uh, There's really white lions. But um, yeah, as soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, you're right. They've kind of got a little bit of a ranger kind of feel. They're really good with your vanguard, Matt. Mm. Um, Yeah. And we didn't expect these. Um, I really like these. I I I hope we get... Uh, the thing with this launch box and we know from from 40k some of this stuff will be separate kits some of the stuff will be literally this stuff the single frame they're on sold as it is they are without riders we didn't get a full kit for though the um what are they called the the 
bodyguard guys out of Indomitus did get a multi-part kit, didn't they? Yeah. Bladeguard veterans. So hopefully these are more kind of Bladeguard veteran sized. Um, we've also got the Annihilators, who are that we've seen before. They're essentially the the Terminator equivalent. We've talked about these guys in the past. Big bulky guys with with shields. They're really nice. We also saw a better shot of the Vin, Vindictors. Um, again, they seem to have banners within their units. I'm a big fan of banners. And again, just aesthetically love these so much more than the original Stormcast. And I think we all said this a couple of weeks ago when we first saw them, didn't we? Very much old kind of Roman, Grecian kind of vibes to them, which, uh, yeah, which I really, really love. So really impressed with all the Stormcast stuff in there. Interestingly, I believe the Vindictors are on their own frame. Hmm. And I think there was something else on their own frame as well. Uh, I want to say the um, the Praetors, which makes me think that they are just going to get packaged as that frame with everything else being on a single frame with the character and everything. Um, I believe one of the characters on here is on the same sprue as one of the Cruel Boys characters as well. So thinking ahead for eventual starter boxes, I think we're going to see everything apart from maybe the annihilators and the characters so a couple of sprues of those vindictors and then getting them that there same as the necrons being the the frame out of indomitus available in boxes i think that's probably going to be how they sell the vindictors as well um so yeah anyway on to the on to the destruction faction the cruel boys we got the killer boss on great nash tooth this thing looks horrific doesn't it dave you want to tell us about the uh the destruction guys <sighs> i mean if you take a look at his mount it just looks horrifying it, it genuinely would give you nightmares um but the the big guy on top the, the killer boss he's got a shield which is well throughout throughout these um throughout these um Oruk models, their kind of shields and iconography is their kind of their interpretation of Kragnos. Because at first, when I saw them, I, I kind of because they were painted red, I got like a very squid kind of feeling about it. And um, but they're not; they're like basically their god Kragnos in like a shield kind of form. Um, this model, I mean, it looks big in the image on Warcom, but when you actually see like the group shot, he's he's a massive model, um, really. Uh, again, push fit. Can't wait to build this guy. He's um, he's frightening. Yeah. So with so with the with the kind of face motif they said on the stream, these guys have never actually seen Kragnos. So this is just what they believe their god looks like. In at the end of at the end of Broken Realms, Kragnos, he, he gets teleported down into the swamp after falling through the portal, and some greenskins are talking and they're like, "Hey, boss, it's our god!" And they're looking at all the kind of pictograms and hieroglyphics they've been drawing over the years. Um, so he may or may not be their god, that they believe that he's their god, and if their shields and stuff don't look like him, well, they were just wrong. They're only greenskins, aren't they? Yeah, they try their best. They, <laughs> what do, I do they like, try their best. What I do like about this guy and, and the whole range, it's going back to the original look of orcs in Warhammer Fantasy. They were tall and lanky and mean looking, and then the comedy squat kind of, I guess, I, I don't want to say Warcraft style, but that's essentially what it is because it was inspired by you know warcraft was inspired by warhammer wasn't it um that kind of more stocky orc is something that has has not really changed i i i quite like the fact that they've done something different with the orcs in here yeah yeah absolutely 
Um, one of my absolute favourite orcs from this box is the Swamp Caller Shaman and his pot grot. Um So this is a shaman that um, plays about with elixirs and stuff, which I assume um, buffs your uh, your own units. He's got a little uh, grot with him, stirring a cauldron, probably creating more potions for him. I imagine he's probably like a one-use only, maybe gain an extra bonus to creating something he's got the the actual shaman himself has got the skull of a uh a mega gargant on his back um, yeah of course which, he does um, which is cool. <laughs> oh is that what that is a mega yeah gargant. <laughs> yeah um so yeah really 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 cool model um very much in keeping with kind of oric shamans uh <laughs> and good to see that the comedy hasn't completely gone with a little pot grot but he still looks bloody vicious doesn't he he does, Matt. And that pot grot is cool, okay? That pot grot is cool. But he does not take the the mantle of the best grot in this box. Because the best grot in this box is Stab Grot. Stab the grot. little companion for the killer boss on foot. <laughs> I never I mean... thought we'd see grots in plate mail armour. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, looks, um, he looks so cool. Um, he's going to be the real the real leader of my army, I think. um the the killer boss looks really cool as well um he's got a really nice one-handed weapon again he's kind of got that kragnos inspired shield and he's also stood on a stone cast as well which i'll I'll have to paint man as a celestial vindicator um because that's that's kind of my stone cast um but he's um he's really cool i do worry with like these like killer bosses on foot you know am i going to be tempted to take the one mounted all the time but i think that's why you've got stab grot because you 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 want to take that model in your in your (laughs) army i think uh, next up, you've got Merc Knob with Belcher Banner. So this is in keeping with the kind of standard bearers that we're getting with all the armies now. Um, what's cool about this banner, because um, we kind of got a bit of a hint of what its rules will be, is that it's like a living tongue in the... Um, or well, obviously it's a dead tongue, but it's from a, it's from like a lizard in the, the realm of beasts. They attach to this banner because it gives off like a mist. So... What we were discussing on the stream, Matt, um, is we think this might kind of add to kind of the sneaky nature of the um, Cruel Boys and might allow you to kind of sneak up on units, maybe have a a negative one to hit or something. Um, yeah, they, they imply that they can kind of control the mists on these um, in, in the swamps and this creature that they hunt kind of extrudes all this gas and smoke and stuff from its tongue. So the Cruel Boys come on and go, that's cool. Chop it off and stick it on a banner. And there's all yeah. the mist and stuff coming out of it, which is a really cool concept. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also liked the little touch where they said on, on the kind of totem pole, you've got Kragnos at the top. You've then got the, the the cruel boys kind of iconography, and then at the bottom there you've got the the um the kind of grots the hobgrots the hobgrots which we'll, we'll come to in a second. Um, for the first time for um the orcs in in Age of Sigmar uh, and Fantasy, I think apart from actually the bone splitters had bows, but uh, we've actually got like crossbow armed orcs. These are called the Manskewer Bolt Boys. Uh, you get a unit of three of these. Uh, these are really cool. Um, they, they are like crossbows, aren't they? Yeah, they're literally uh, crossbows. They, they, they've, they've got like lift up kind of helms. Um, you see one of these in action during the trailer. He, he's the one that puts the the bolt in the the sort of chest of the the lord, the stonecast lord. Oh, uh, poor these hero. Are the poor hero. Um, we then have your kind of standard kind of battle line orcs, the gut rippers. 
these are slightly less armoured, but still very mean-looking um, Oryks. Uh, again, in keeping with the rest of the army, they've all got like Kragnos-inspired shields. Uh, you know what my like, favourite thing about the shields it. are? Each of the shields represents the face of the uh, the cruel boy who's carrying it. So the one with the eye patch has got an eye patch on his shield. The one kind of scowling has got a scowling shield. It's really quite a cool touch. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then to round out the box, and you get two lots of these. You get two lots. I think it's ten, isn't it? I think it's two lots of ten. Hobgrot slitters. So these are... Um, well, the hobgoblins, hobgoblins, basically, basically they? yeah. Um, they're wearing armor, which was very heavily hinted during the stream that they uh, they've got other masters, uh, and that might be where their armor has come from. And um, they're also holding, uh, I think, all of them pretty much have got like these like grenade type throwing weapons. <laughs> Again, quite dwarfish, I think. You know. Yeah. So, so obviously, Warhammer Fantasy. The, the Chaos Dwarves had the Hobgoblins as a slave race who worked for them, and it was heavily hinted that the Hobgrots are, I guess, essentially the offshoot of that race, and they still work for the Chaos Dwarves. They're just, um, I guess, contracted to the uh, the uh, Cruel Boys armies. Yeah. So um, these are like, yeah, you know, they're not they're not going to be that great in a fight, but I, I think they're going to have the whole army. I think is going to have like an ambushing kind of feel to it. Um, and these guys will be there to kind of maybe be your screening unit and get in there first and capture objectives. Uh, and, but I really like these. They're really characterful models. Uh, and they round out the, the sort of miniatures in the box. So and obviously we're going to talk about top three minutes later on. But what's your general vibe? I know I, I absolutely love the Stormcast and fell in love with those to the point where I bought some some uh, some Stormcast models the following day. I take it you've got a similar point of view with the uh, the destruction side because you rapidly ordered Kragnos not long after as well. Yeah, well, it's a win-win box for me, Matt, because I really like the Stormcast. I've got quite a large list of indicators on it. So I really, you know, this, I'm not going to give away what's in my top three, but there's some fantastic models on the Stormcast side that I cannot wait to add to my um, Stormcast Eternals. But you're right, the, the Oryx are, are, are superb. Um, and one thing I will actually mention as well, and I've, I've seen people ask this on Facebook, they did confirm on the stream that you could use uh, the Cruel Boys in the Oryx War Clans. So you can you can use them with your Iron Jaws, you can use them with your Bone Splitters, so you can bring them into the Big War and use them as one army. Obviously, you'll lose out on some of what makes the Cruel Boys unique, but it allows you to kind of then use like your Maw Crushers, your, um, your Savage Oryx or whatever in one big Oryx pie. So, um, Oryx yeah. pie. And I do wonder if this something we'll see for 3rd um, edition, maybe giving you more freedom to to mix and match armies with and have less penalties for it without having to rely on those Grand Alliance destruction yeah. force, yeah. which is fun. Like, especially for you, you can actually, you know, throw these guys into your existing army and you've got a, a legal force with, with decent mechanics that work, or you can just take them for a more, you know, specialised army. I think mm-hmm. that's really good. Um, Jay, what were your thoughts on the, on the kind of models in the box? I know you weren't completely taken by the destruction side. Yeah, so I I was um, sort of on the fence about starting a destruction army based on what we saw in Dominion, and I really like the Cruel Boys. I think I, I love the sort of Hobbit, sort of Orc, Goblin type um, aesthetic for them, but it's not an army that sort of really rings with me. I don't I can't see myself collecting or painting 
an army of these cruel boys even though i think the basic infantry is fantastic with like the leather sort of armor hanging over their head and over their body and things like that really really nice so there are there are some really nice kits the stormcast on the other hand i think are, are amazing so much better than the current stormcast range for sure um i will definitely be picking up a box of dominion to paint up um over time for sure yeah yeah, uh, and I say it's worth mentioning, like with Indomitus, this is going to be available for a limited time, and then presumably it'll be replaced with the the three-tiered kind of starter boxes that, that we've seen. If Indomitus is anything to go by, that separate sprue probably will be available separately for each faction, but the Indomitus ones were quite expensive when they were sold separately, weren't they? So I think it's one, if you want it, you're going to have to try and order it the day. They have said they made loads of them, but they also said that Indomitus was the most produced box they've ever done, and that flew off the shelves, didn't it? Um, but obviously it's not just miniatures in the box. There's the new core rulebook as well, with an absolutely glorious front cover with Indrasta fighting through some Chaos Gribblies. Um, we don't know too much about the rules yet. Now, there was... There was a little video that they showed with kind of eight things we need to know about the uh, the new edition. I know you've kind of scribbled some notes on that, Jay. Yeah, so I mean, the, the first thing was the, the best rule set ever. Um, and I think they actually sort of alluded to this in the earlier preview, uh, the week before, was it? the mm. When we first got the glimpse of the Stormcast models, where they said this is going to be the no room for ambiguity in any of their rules now to be fair i don't think that's going to be the case you know the, the amount of erratas and faqs we see for battle terms and codices that come out i don't think that's possible really but hopefully it is going to be a very high quality rule set and from what we've seen so far of the different sort of new rules and things that it does all seem quite promising to me we do we do get a glimpse of a couple of pages in that trailer and it looks like everything's all referenced with numbers and sub numbers mm. to make looking up rules easier potentially the presentation does look really nice from what we've seen yeah um the, the second thing they they said was that heroes are going to be more heroic um so the heroes in age sigma are one of the best bits really aren't they i mean i do like my units but there's there's nothing quite like alariel light of Ulfaria, nagash archaeon um and we saw in your recent Soulbite Gravelords um review and also Kragnos to an extent as well, the reworked, reworded command abilities, issuing commands. Yeah. Um, and I wonder whether heroes are gonna play an even more important part in, in battles, especially with a smaller board side as well, which we've seen. Um Yes, they they have confirmed that it's the same board size as forty K, using multiples of those war cry boards, which again is a really great idea because as nice as the Roma battle is, it can be a bit that the hills take up a lot of space and I'd I'd really like them to do some like um kind of mouse map material maps, but mm. the card sets that we've had for forty K have actually been really nice and it means that they can they can put a box together, which is essentially a battlefield in a box, have enough tiles to make your battlefield and then put some sprues in there for the scenery. It's a really, really good idea. Yeah, definitely. Um, um so, uh, one thing that they also mentioned on the on the stream talking about it is is I, I get it's like we've seen in Kragnos this distinction between command abilities and commands and command being something that you can do in your opponent's turn. Um, so you you can you can play a part in every kind of phase. Mm. Uh, that that was one of, one of the yeah that was one of the uh, things they 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 said yeah where you've got like a um 
a more reactive sort of element to the game as well, yeah. Which, obviously, in those initial rumours that we heard about, you know, falling back, standing, shooting, yeah, that that seems cool. And if they cost command points, then, you know, maybe you want quite a, a, a character-heavy army to drive those. Mm-hmm. Um, so heroes are one thing, monsters are another. And sometimes you get heroes that are monsters. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, no idea what they mean by monsters getting some love in Age of Sigmar 3. Um, monsters are sort of in a weird place currently where they they have degrading stat lines in most cases. They generally, with a few exceptions, only count as a single model for in terms of capturing objectives. So sometimes they can be a bit more of a liability than, say, for example, a block of 40 zombies, Matt. Um, exactly, yeah. I mean, you know, we... we we saw that in the game that we had the other day. I mean, yeah, it was Kernoth Hunters and even the tree men and stuff. Yeah. Once they're swamped, they can be as strong as they like, but if they can't chew through that unit of 40, they're only one body and an objective, aren't they? Yeah, and they get tied there. I mean, tree lords especially, they've only got a six-inch move. Uh, they only get a couple of attacks, really, a handful of dice compared to the 80 zombie attacks or whatever. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, we've talked quite a bit over the last couple of weeks about I mean, if you go back to, to the Warhammer uh, Fantasy 8th edition, and, and, and monsters used to have rules like fear and terror where they would be charging into a unit and the unit would have to take a bravery check or a leadership t- check as it was back then. And there'd be penalties to failing. In some instances, you'd have to run away. In some instances, you, your weapon skill would drop, so it would be harder to fight in that combat. And then if you wanted to actually charge a monster, you had to overcome your sort of fear and terror of charging the monster. Um there are quite a few bravery mechanics. Ban is now giving bravery buffs. The Warsong Revenant was giving bravery buffs to Sylvaneth. Yeah. Will bravery pay a much more important... I mean, currently it's only really used for the Battleshock phase. And there's one or two spells or abilities, the Terrorgeist Breath, things like that. The Teclas has got a few spells. But other than that, it's not really used that much. Whereas if you have to do some bravery test to charge a monster, um, I think that'd be really cool. I know mean, we don't know that, but potentially we might see something like that yeah i mean like in, in, in particularly in kragnos and soul black gravelers which are the two most recent books there's lots of stuff that that interacts with bravery and in kragnos certainly they're they're pointed quite high 275 for the for the warsong revenant which buffs your bravery and reduces the opponents yeah. now, i think we mentioned it on either the painting stream or, or the podcast a couple of weeks ago but one thing that could really help monsters take objectives is if you know you have to take that terror test or you run away when you get charged that suddenly makes monsters really really good for clearing objectives yeah so, yeah let's see what happens Hopefully we we learn some more soon on that because I'm super Any, interested. Anything that makes my uh, my dragon for my stormcast better is a is a is a good thing for me. <laughs> well, I mean, if monsters get really good, Dave, and people start taking more of them, Kragnos gets bonuses against monsters, so you know, yeah. win, win, really. <laughs> and he is a monster, so there you go. Yeah. Um, they talked about second being the new first, so obviously A Sigma has like a unique um, priority. I say unique, unique in the Warhammer world uh, priority system. Uh, where you know first second double turns that sort of thing um and it seems now that that there's going to be a lot fairer um for people taking first turns second turns um additional command points for going second um but also a lot more um thought and strategy and planning goes into to deciding whether you want to take that first turn or second turn 
Yeah, yeah. And in the game that we had the other day, both of those roll offs, we wanted to go first, didn't we? To, to, yeah. In order to, to win the battle. Now, if there was something that then makes you think, oh, actually, do I want to go first? That makes for a much more exciting priority roll. Yeah. Because, definitely. you know, <laughs> say if we're having a roll off and you want to go first, Jay, but I want to go second, that adds another dimension there because actually. Do you do the opposite to to mess up your opponent's plans? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And whether it yourself, and again, you know, setting up for that inevitable double turn. We don't know if there's any mechanics to stop the double turn. We saw that a little bit in General's Handbook, where draws now go to the other person, don't they? Mm. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, We've talked about their fifth point, which was no more downtime, which was about um, being able to use reactive command abilities and that sort of thing. Um, they also um, seem to have um, focused as well on on endless spells and magic. Um, mm. So endless spells seem to be um, getting some buffs, um, moving faster, harder for anyone to outrun them, um, that sort of thing. So maybe people will start using more endless spells. Maybe we'll see some more endless spells. And um, we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, the two twins that can... Uh, actually fight endless spells you know so it'd be interesting to see what they do with endless spells yeah one of the things with endless spells they're cool in concept but it's easy to position your army to be away from them i mean we were having a bit of a scrum in the middle on our board and at the end the spells kind of hit both of us but we, we could have easily stayed out of range of that if we you know if we wanted to i had a bunch of zombies i wasn't caring about it you weren't too fussed because you were hitting my guys if they moved a lot quicker and you know maybe on a smaller maybe board. make a yeah, smaller board and maybe make it so that you haven't got that random element where the person who can summon it has got a lot more control on it, makes them a bigger threat. Yeah. Where really you kind of often if there's one on the field, you don't bother unbinding it because it can be a bit of a double sided sword, can't it? Yeah, that's it. Um I, I, it's good that the because I mean, endless spells came at the beginning of Age of Sigma two. Mm. Um and it was like a new concept back then. It's good to see that they've not sort of forgotten about it. They're giving it some love and some thought. So, you know, it, it is an important part of the game still. Uh, most yes. of the armies now come with their own endless spells. So, And they look fantastic as well. Like some of the models for the endless spells are, are really nice. And, you know, I, I want to still see people taking them. Yeah. Would you like to see a new set of generic ones like they did with Soul Wars? Yes, I would. Just to update, you know, add some new models that every faction can take. Yeah, yeah why not? I mean, especially if there's new mechanics in Age of Sigmar 3 where they can le- lead into, you know, some some more bravery um, interfering endless spells and that sort of thing might be cool. Spells that just hunt heroes and things, maybe. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, and you could tailor your list around the endless spell to maximise the benefit or something. Teclis is happy. Teclis is... The seventh thing they mentioned was new ways to build your army. So yeah, we've talked about this as well in the past. Um, Battalions, changes to battalions, uh, introduction of core battalions, um, making sort of rebalancing really, isn't it? The the War Scroll battalions across the different battle tomes. Some battle tomes have a lot stronger War Scroll battalions, and in some cases they're a lot stronger as in the benefits they grant you. In other cases, they're just easier to use in your army. Whereas some armies just have War Scroll battalions that just seem to make no sense. I mean, um, a lot of the a lot of the armies that have been way too powerful off the bat and needed FAQs have been really due to them doubling down on how powerful they are through those War Scroll battalions. So Zinch, for example, the um, you know the good old change host, if that wasn't in the book, it'd be a lot easier to balance it off the bat. Yeah. And the thing so, with War Scroll battalions is you just 
just you just end up seeing like if there's a particular powerful one like you just said the change host when you're going to be playing at tournaments and stuff you're just going to be playing against change hosts all the time yeah exactly and you want to see you want to play against different um models and it just tied you in i know i've looked at battalions and and thought uh right okay so um, i need an extra uh carriage on frigate to to run that battalion that battalion's really good it's kind of like forced you to buy models that your heart really isn't set on doing uh, and painting. You're at a disadvantage if you don't. And that's yeah, it, yeah. Exactly. So some, of, some of the books, if you don't take that battalion, you're, you're basically throwing away the game, aren't you? Which it shouldn't shouldn't be a thing. No. Um, and then the last point they mentioned then, which is arguably the most exciting point, um, was the ultimate narrative campaign. Mm. Um, so a revamped... Um, Path, Path to Glory. Glory, yeah. So, so Path to Glory is something that has been in every single book, and I'm, I'm sorry to say, it's something that we tend to flick through with the reviews because I don't think we've ever played a Path to Glory game. Never used it? No, nope, never used it. You uh, know, I, I mean, straight off the bat, having to roll up your army randomly isn't isn't narrative of such. It's just a bit random, isn't it? Yeah, and like I say, I think you, you've said it before, the, the disconnect between the standard Age of Sigmar game. If you look at 40k and Crusade, it's, you're playing a game of 40k, um, yeah. whereas Age of Sigmar Path to Glory, you're not playing Age of Sigmar anymore, um, really. So Yeah, so I, I really hope that it's you know the same, the same rules as match play, you bring your army. I mean, if they just lifted Crusade and you level up your characters and get different artifacts and oh, abilities yeah. and stuff over the course, that'd be amazing. That yeah. would be incredible. Even because if it's more character on. focused, and yeah, have the amble be... of apotheosis as part of that to make your own bespoke character. I was going to say nowadays armies release with lots more character options, whereas previously, like Sylvaneth, Fire Slayers, these early books, they didn't really have much choice. In, you know, you couldn't really do it. Most armies included the same sort of units, but nowadays you've got that many different Stormcast characters, for example. Now, Lumineth have got that many different characters. The Vampire Soulblights have got that many different characters that you can yeah. really go to town and create your own sort of uh, hero. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, really, really looking forward to it. Yep. And that was it. That was the eight eight sort of new things coming to Sigma 3. I, uh, I hope, I mean, I guess over the coming weeks that we'll see more stuff. I know for 40k, they... Um, they, they they had a kind of deep dives with the designers talking at a few points in the run up to the release. So really hope we see that. Uh, I mean, really, they said pre-order June, so we're, we're at most a month away from release, aren't we? Really? Yeah. You know, if it's if it's pre-order the last week of June, it could be a two-week pre-order and be out mid-July. Worst case, we're six weeks out, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not, not long to go now. Yeah, so that's that's super exciting. They did save a few treats, though, for the end of the stream, didn't they? And with Indomitus, we got a number of push-fit kits that I think were due to release alongside Indomitus due to the global pandemic. I think they were a little bit delayed in the in the release schedule. They were actually mentioned in some of the like, supplemental kind of leaflets and stuff inside Indomitus, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Hopefully all that's sorted out by the time uh, Dominion comes out and we saw some amazing kits. So for the Stormcast Eternals, we got the Knight Judicator with Griffhounds. How cool is this guy? A Stormcast with a massive bow. And we've already mentioned him on the show, Griffhounds, everybody's favourite dog, bird, weird creatures. He's on a really cool oval base as well, the the Knight Judicator, which I really liked. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really like this. And like you said, Jay, another another character type to uh, add to your collection of many characters. Yeah. Uh, 
and alongside this, a really exciting one, the Storm Strike Chariot. Again, we mentioned the, the White Lions. This is very much like the White Lion Chariots <laughs> for the Stormcast. Yeah. I, I, I said to, to Matt whilst we were watching the stream, it's a shame you weren't there, Jake. I, I expected we'd see chariots at some point um, for Order Factions, but I really did think the first ones we'd see would be elves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially yeah, because I mean in the in the uh, they mentioned the Luminef chariots, but we've obviously not seen them yet. But yeah, promising. Uh, this is a really cool chariot though. You've got like the the the, the stormcast with the axe and the bow as well, uh, like the Tyrannic chariots from the old uh, high elf oh. range. Proper Roman, aren't they? Like yeah. Think, yeah, there's inspired. lots of like Roman and Grecian vibes in these new Stormcasts, which is really like the nice. Spartan helm, yeah. Yeah, and again, presumably this is a push fit kit, so it shouldn't be too much on the pricey side. We, we don't know if there's a rule of three in in um, third edition, but yeah, I, I, I'm gonna have to pick up a couple of chariots because they look really cool. But the Stormcasts don't get all the fun, do they, Dave? The Cruel Boys also got some cool stuff showing up, which again are presumably push fit kits that went out alongside the box. Yeah, so obviously we've seen Oryx with crossbows. That took a few people by surprise, Matt. And then yeah. there was the Beast Skewer Killbow, which is on an oval base again. And it's a massive sort of what I would best describe as a siege ballista, really. Uh, it's like a siege bow. It's huge. It's for impaling monsters or, 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 or you know, going through lines of infantry. Uh, this thing looks like it's going to hurt. Yeah, interestingly, it's funny that you mentioned some of the the elf kind of chariots and stuff. I'm getting very much getting old school Warhammer vibes with different firing modes to pierce ranks or deal with monsters with this as well. Yeah, yeah. Bolt, or thrower. yeah. Some cool grots on there as well, which we always like to well, see. All the big two handed axe, like obviously yeah. someone's charging yeah. the so it's sorting them out. <laughs> <laughs> now that's an impressive model. But what really sold this range to me was was the next one, and that's the Breaker Boss on Maya Brute Trogoff. So I think Jay, you best describe this as the uh, what they called the trolls from um, the Siege Trolls, yeah, the Siege Trolls, the yeah, from, from, from Lord of the Rings. So this is this is a, a cruel boy uh, mounted basically on a Trogoff who's got two uh, massive clubs, and that the, the the boss himself has got like a uh, almost like a um, it's a, it's like a spear kind of thing, but with two sort of sharp pointy bits at the end. A this prod, model looks amazing. A prod, I guess. Prod, is yeah. I like how it's um, attached to his wrist, Dave, with a little rope in case he drops it. Which yeah. He probably will be on that thing. Um, yeah, looks amazing. And I hope actually we get more trackoffs in the army. I know they're really a Moon Clan kind of um, species, really, at the moment. But uh, I'd like to see more. But yeah. This this model is incredible, and I, I want to pick up at least one of these. And he's a boss as well, which does imply that there'll be, you know, a non-boss variant maybe, or, yeah, units of these uh, Maya Brute Trogoths. Yeah. 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 One of the things they point out on the stream that I love is that the, the, the Trogoth's got a little cushion on his back because that pole <laughs> that the, uh, the boss is on, it might be a bit <laughs> sore on his back, so they put a cushion there to relieve him a little bit. Nice of him. It's nice of him. Uh, and that really wrapped up um, the Dominion reveal. I mean, I personally wasn't um, disappointed. And in, in answering the question that I kind of posed us at the beginning of this segment, I actually do. I think this is better than Indomitus. I'm very tempted to say yes. You know, um, I mean, maybe I'm slightly biased because I, I I've got an interest in both factions, uh, but I think it's a very very good box. Yeah, I mean, obviously we've not seen any rules or anything yet, and and hopefully, you know, 
as we get closer to release, we'll have a deep dive and, and have a sift through the edition. Contents-wise, it definitely looks, you know, compared to the previous two Age of Sigmar boxes, it's definitely putting up a strong fight, isn't it? You know, Soul Wars was a really good box, marred by a few issues with non-legal unit sizes. Mm-hmm. And I think I think they've learned the lessons from that, and that was a mistake. And cynically, it was a way to get you to buy more models that maybe you didn't want. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, th- this looks like the way the way it's arranged on the frame suggests that a lot of these kits will be available in the same way as Indomitus. So hopefully, a sign that it's all legal sizes, and yeah, you can use it straight away. If it's anything like Indomitus, that contained two one thousand point armies. I'd be inclined to say, just on the, the number of models, that this is going to be very similar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah excellent stuff um i believe we we did have a little bit of news today matt that you're going to tie into this segment we did so so Warcom today basically you know now that kragnos is is on the way and we've got the new edition they kind of had a, a state of play kind of detailing what's happening across the realm so the soul wars is over like we said kragnos has has come out and he's kind of inspired all the destruction races who see him whether he's a god or not they see him as a god and green screen green skin belief is very powerful and essentially gives kragnos godlike powers we've got marathi up to no good she's ascended to godhood and while they may be you know not outright war she's certainly not to be trusted uh, Alariel's right of life has gone out of control and and ravaged the realms and for better or worse has caused some of the issues that we're seeing in this new edition um which kind of brings us to the the stormcast so obviously Belacor has thrown a massive demonic spanner in the works by stopping the ability to return to Azir and at least Grungni has uh has thrown his hat in the ring and he's helping them by developing new armor that can pierce that veil we get a tantalising treat of something new coming, though, at, at the end of this article. And, you know, it, it says in the trailer that Chaos has won and Sigmar's now trying to re-establish cities. And it looks like there's something known as the Dawnbringer Crusades, which is a big host that are travelling and fighting alongside them as these, these cities are being established. And we get some really cool artwork alongside this. A, showing a fleet of Caradron Sky Vessels, some of which are different designs to what we've currently seen. Now, we know from the events of Broken Realms, Bellacor, that the Caradrons have essentially loaned out some Sky Vessels to help the uh, the poor foot-slogging Stormcast who can't return to the heavens. So it kind of makes sense that they, they would have a fleet of vessels as well to, to get those ones around. What really caught my eye on this, though, is the massive, like, I don't know, train meets monastery in the centre of this image. Mm-hmm. It's got vibes of the land ship mixed with a temple. And mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if this is either, I don't know, its own battle tome or, or some addition to the cities of Sigmar. Because I quite like the idea that you've got all this kind of human slave labour, for want of a better word, helping build all these cities along with all the kind of military order looking after them. Uh, yeah, you know, right. what I got the impression that, like uh, an old model that kind of reminded me of like a bit of inspiration. Was it Volkmar who had the um, the chariot War with like, the statue yeah. on the back? Yeah, it's like a, that on steroids. It yeah. It looks like there's some Seraphon in the background as well. It <laughs> does. Pterodactyls, pterodons. Yeah, unless they're 
bats or something. Unless it's something else, there. yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is interesting. I do wonder if cities are thinking. While we've said in the past is a strange book, it was really much kind of rounding up all the old Warhammer Fantasy stuff in one book. Where recently we've had a lot of new stuff, like the characters at Curse City. We've got the witch hunters out of Broken Realms Kragnos. I'd really love to see early on in the edition a new cities of sigma with some of this new stuff that we see here i mean there's a few things that are familiar you've got great swords in there you've got empire soldiers i can't see them going but i could certainly see them adding some new units and some new fun concepts maybe absolutely yeah i mean so to sum it up i'm so looking forward to i'm so looking forward to the third edition of age sigma yeah I'm, i'm i'm really excited i can't wait to get that box Wrap the, rip the shrink film off and, and dig into that big book. Excellent. We are getting towards the end of this week's podcast, but we can't talk about Dominion without picking out our top three models, and that's coming up in the next segment. I say this a lot when we do quite a few of our top threes, but I genuinely mean it this week. This was one of the hardest top threes um, I've ever had to come up with. I, it was almost impossible. I wanted to maybe do a top six rather than a top three. <laughs> um, but there you go. We, we've had to narrow it down. So we are going to read out some of the community picks uh, in the final segment of the show. But let's run through our choices. So, Jay, would you like to start us off with your third choice? Uh, so my third choice is the um, the Stormcast Praetors, the sort of bodyguard unit. I think these guys are ace. Yeah. Um, really surprised to see these guys. I really love like the cloak over one shoulder. I really like the weapon. Uh, they have like a custodian guard sort of vibe t- to them. Yeah, um, they do, don't they? With a kind of guardian spear. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like these. Um, these are my number three, Dave. Excellent stuff. Um, my third choice, and like I say, this was really, really hard, but my third choice has got to be the killer boss on Great Nashtooth. Um, he's a beast of a model. Uh, I think he's going to be so good uh, in the army. Um, I love the mount he's on. I love the base. I love him and his massive shield. Um, yeah, he's, he's going to be a standout leader for the army, and I can't wait to pay him. Uh, Matt, what is your third choice? Well, again, I say it was so, so hard, but I've gone with Indraster. The Celestial Spear is my third choice. For similar reasons to what you just said, amazing base, amazing pose beautiful paint job on the model but most importantly she's got a zombie squirrel on her base <laughs> feel about that <laughs> yeah nice little nice little touch uh jay what is your second choice uh my second choice uh this might just be the uh, lord of the rings funny me is the merc knob with belcher banner um mm. i think this guy he, he's probably my favorite of the um Uruks. Um, he looks really mean, his sort of face. The banner is incredible, but he just reminds me of Azog from The yeah, Hobbit. he does. Um, yeah. And I think if you paint, I mean, I really like the colour scheme they've got actually going, um, but he might look cool painted as a pale orc. Pale um, orc would be really cool. Yeah, maybe. I love the um, the armour, the sort of layered armour on his um, shoulder as well, the, the plates, the battered plate. Um yeah, I, I love this model. Um, I hope he has great rules, so we see him a lot on the battlefield. I'll try and use him as much as I can, Jake, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
as as much as I really wanted to top three of Oryx, my, my my second choice actually is a Stormcast. Um and that's Iniesta as well, Matt. Um I think she's a superb model. Um I love her wings, I love her weapons, the steps that she's stood on. Um she's a very impressive model. I, I can't wait to see her rules. Um yeah, she's she's gorgeous. She's she's amazing. Um what is your second choice, Matt? Well, I've I've stayed loyal to the Stormcast on this one. I feel I feel disgusted with myself as a as a long time you know chaos player, mm-hmm. you know, falling in with the shiny Stormcast. But it's got to be that Night Vexilla with the banner <laughs> of Apotheosis. Yeah. Just because Apotheosis is possibly the greatest word ever. Uh, but yeah, it's such an impressive looking banner. Uh, presumably that's moulded details on there, so it shouldn't be too hard to to paint up. I mean, if that's freehand, that's amazing looking. But they do tend to have moulded. Uh, yeah. banners and these kind of things just i mean we've, we've said already lots about the stunning sword stunning banner heroic pose absolutely outstanding miniature can you believe we're round to our top choices already so jay what is your top choice well my top choice was also the um the knight vexilla but i did have a very 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 close second top choice and that was the lord imperent imperatant mm. <laughs> um Specifically, the I know you like the helmed version, Dave, but I like the helmless version. Um, yeah, I, think I, really I like the helmetless version too myself. I, I, I'm not too keen on the helmet on that one, I've got to say myself. I'm just going to come out and say it. My top choice is actually the Lord Imperitant. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's an amazing model. I can't wait to paint it. He's, he's absolutely going to be leading my um, Stormcast going forward into the third edition. Um, and I love his little griffhound with his little hammer kind of um, yeah mini, mini Garmaraz represented on his collar is yeah. brilliant yeah he's a superb model um, there, there I were like a few... the, um, the layered sort of armour plates on his leg mm. as well which tie in with the Praetors mm. Mm. yeah I am I'm a little concerned that that griffhound one day may be covering the other pauldron on his armour but well you know, yeah it's a bit we'll cross weird, that bridge when we get to it <laughs> Um, Matt, what is your top choice to finish us off? Well, they've already come up, but yeah, the Praetors, absolutely stunning vibes of the Lion Warriors and just absolutely badass looking models, basically. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really, I, I, I really like these guys. Um, I think they really have this Ranger aesthetic. Um, I love the cloaks and I love their pole arms. I want to give a shout out to the two casters in this box because they both nearly made it into my top three um specifically the shaman especially with that bone giant um th- um skull on oh, his back, back. Uh, yeah. and, and the pot grot um and i really like the knight arcana as well um they're, they're both really nice models the auric probably pips it in the the sh- the uh sort of magic users uh in in dominion but um but yeah, i had to give them a shout out because i think they're both really really nice models It'd be interesting. Sort of like a um, what's the shaman called from World of Warcraft? Gul'dan sort of look to him. Yeah, he does, uh, doesn't like he? Yeah. Over his head and things. I love all little trinkets like the bird skulls, the bottles, the tokens, talismans, all that sort of stuff over him. And also the smoke sort of pouring out of his whatever he's pouring onto the ground there. More mist, I guess he's making. Mm. Calling yeah, it seems like well, well, traditionally an uruk kind of shaman would be like you know. Magic, magic, I guess, is stuff Crash that they make up in the head comes real, doesn't it? Where uh, this guy is, you can see him scrabbing around in the marsh, getting various like frogs and weeds and stuff, and mixing them together. Yeah, yeah. Can't can't wait to get my hands on this box. 
It's time to find out what the community have chosen as their top three models from Dominion and also time to wrap up the podcast. Let's take one last pause and we'll come back with the final segment of the podcast. And so it's time to reveal our community top three picks. Um, We're going to start over on Facebook. David Anderson, his third choice is the Knight Arcanum. His second choice is the Shaman with Pot. That's the Swamp Caller. And his top choice is Yindraster. Way too hard to pick a top three. Can't wait to get my hands on the box. Our words exactly, David. Andy Sims, his third choice is the Knight Vexilla. His second choice is the Knight Arcanum. And his top choice is the Swamp Caller Shaman with Pot Grot. He also says shout out to the whole box, though. Probably the greatest single box of Warhammer ever released. Nathaniel Nichols says his third choice is the Stormcast Vindicate. Uh, he's put Vindicators, but they're Vindicators, are they? Vindictors, that's it. Loving the classic ancient Greek style of them, like Stormcast Hoplites. His second choice is the Praetors. Man, these guys look amazing. Huge, great halberds to cleft those foul green, squi- green skins into twain. <laughs> and his top choice is Yinraster. Probably spelled wrong. Loving the Angelic Wings and the fact that Sigmar seems to have made avatars of himself. Brian Dennis, his third choice is also the Knight Arcanum. Second choice of the Praetors. Top choice is Yinraster. Simon Nichols, his third choice is the Gut Rippers. Second choice is the boss with um, the little armoured grot. And his top choice is the killer boss on Nash Chief. And finally on Facebook, Josh Upton. Third choice, the Knight Arcanum. The second choice, the Knight Vexilla. And his top choice is also the Swarm Caller Shaman. What do we have over on Twitter? Right. Well, thank Paul says, Indraster looks amazing. The Knight Vexilla, battle standards are back, baby. And the Praetors, I'm a sucker for a good halberd. Matthew Thomas gives a shout out to the Merc Knob with Belcher Banner. The Praetors and Vindictors can't choose. And at number one, the Knight Vexilla with the Banner of Apotheosis. Honourable mention for the Breaker Boss on Maya Brute Trogoth, as he's not in the box. Can't wait for these. Evan says the Stormcast Banner Bearer. The Kill Boss on Angry Hairless Weasel Honey Badger Beast. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. And number one, the Hobgrot, but only because they suggest that we might be getting new Chaos Dwarfs at some point. I would sell my soul to the Dark Gods themselves for new evil stunties. <laughs> uh, Ricky Smith says, these three in order for me, without a doubt. The Ballista says a lot more about the weaponry of the Cruel Boys and their waging of war. The Mounted Hero is just malicious looking, and the Chariot has a beautiful sense of movement. Cygnus Vaximus says the Stormcast Chariot, the Night Vexilla, and the Stabbing Grot. <laughs> uh, Boozerman says, I know the Trogoth model isn't in the launch set, but how cool is that? But from the launch, Defo, the two heroes, and all the cruel boys, to be honest. Fine Stormcast models bland, but the models in the set are really good. Indrasta, wow. Uh, Captain Brineblood has the, the Banner Bearer, the, the Uruk Shaman. And the uh, the Hobgrots. And then finally, Mark says the Hobgrots slitters. Does this foreshadow the Chaos Warden? The Stab Grots and his incompetent underling, the Killer Boss. And the <laughs> Pot Grots and his trusty sidekick, the Swamp Caller Shaman. Yeah, some really fun stuff there this week. Yeah, excellent choices, guys. Um, that leads us, Matt, to ask the big question what is next week's top three? Well, with, with the Tale of Sprues launching today, we want to know the top three things that you want to do. Over the duration of Tale of Sprue, so this could be over the next six months. So what projects do you want to kind of get done 
inspired by this uh, little campaign that we're doing. Excellent. You can get your choices in via our social media at Spruce and Brews on Twitter or Facebook.com forward slash Spruce and Brews. Alternatively, the post will be going up on a Sunday or Monday, so you can always comment on that. Well, that was a bit of a hefty podcast, guys. Oh, <laughs> it was. Um, some some awesome stuff though. I can't wait to you know get on board with Age of Sigmar in this in this direction that it's taking. You must be quite happy, Matt, that Chaos in Ascendance. Oh yeah, I mean it was a given, wasn't it? Chaos, Chaos got this. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that brings us to the end of another week's episode. We'll be back again next week. Um, if you haven't already checked it out, uh, do head over onto our YouTube channel because you can watch back. Matt and Jay's um, game of Age of Sigmar uh, from Bank Holiday Monday. That was the Soulbite Grave Lords versus the Sylvaneth. Um, do give that uh, a tryout and check out the links in the podcast notes for all our recent reviews, uh, or just head over to spruceandbruce.com. Until the next episode, have a great week of hobby, and we'll be speak- speaking again to you very soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Spruce and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruceandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruceandbrews.